Bam Pow Comic Hour with your hosts, Andrew Glonner and Chris Ramos. Tonight, we review and cover the legend, the one, the only, the myth. The red. The giant. red Hellboy by Mike Mignola. Yes. And we have been waiting to do this episode for quite a while, I would say. Yes. We've been kicking months it around for a while. And months. But with Hellboy, it has had several movies and several adaptations, but the origin story has been covered. It's been covered a lot, and we were always trying to figure out what's the best place to start. Where where do you get people? What are some other stories you can recommend? Like, is Hellboy a household name? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Right. Um, I think the movie was popular enough to help push that narrative out there so people might search it. Yes. But I also think people don't realize just how long Hellboy's been around. Absolutely. So, speaking of that, Hellboy has been around since 1994 when I was one. <laughs> That's a long time. <laughs> so That's a long time. I was in high school, but I, I do absolutely. remember. I think I found Hellboy <laughs> maybe around 97 or 98, something okay. like that. Yeah, absolutely. And so it was... Uh, I think I discovered it when the first movie came out with Ron Perlman mm. and Gil Toro directed it. And you never, I've never seen a Gil Toro movie, and that was kind of before he got his name out, before he did like Pants Lambert and things like that. Well, yeah, and people saw him, I think, at that time, when that movie came out, was sort of the beginning of what people were considering comic book movies. Absolutely. You know, so it's still sure. early on, and yeah. I, I really, really do think that that, um Guillermo del Toro movie was uh accurate to the comic book yeah you know and it kept it kept the tone um not comical because it could have went like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles ish because mm. it, it's a very awkward character and when you put yeah. all this makeup on and um I I, I think they yeah, were writing the right a fine tone. line of yeah. like how can we make this not sure you know uh, what League of Extraordinary Gentlemen? You know, oh, like I, you know, like yeah. how can we make this still a serious movie? I think they did yeah. a great job. And I mean, around that time, like Spider Man was coming out, Fantastic Four yeah, had their true. second run of it. So Blade, I, maybe Blade, was out. Yeah, yep. yeah. So those movies were doing their best attempt at a comic book adaptation, uh, without trying with, you know, trying to capture those feelings and what what is what do we want to get across in there, like okay, we have like a couple hours, an hour and a half, two hours, maybe. How do we sell this character? Right. And stuff like that. So, um, and especially for Hellboy, like Hellboy and, you know, he published it for like through Dark Horse and he had some other early people picking up on the story. Um, it's kind of a hard sell, I think at first, but the movie just helped you like, oh, what's this character? I've never heard of him. Oh, he's uh, he's battling Nazis. Yeah. You know, he's got this word, weird like he's, mythology to him. He's like a demon himself, which was cool. So he's sort right. of like a humanoid demon. And uh, the characters that they put together at, at kind of, I think, spoke to a lot of people because they're used to seeing teams. Yes. So they're like, oh, this is like the FBI or mm -hmm. like uh, men in black or like, you know, BPRD or something. Yeah. So they're like, okay, cool. There's three or four main characters and they all have special abilities yep. or mutations yep. or something. Unique personalities and things yeah. like that. And so it was easy to fall in love with those characters and 
understand like the humor and the personality of Hellboy himself. Yeah. <laughs> and which was really great to see that on screen by Ron Perlman. And we were talking about in the pre-show. Um, I identify Hellboy with Ron Perlman because that that was like one of some of the first memories of that character. Seven with same with like Kevin Conroy for Batman. When I seen Kevin Conroy as Batman in the animated series that's just the voice that's in my head. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> fair enough. I mean, I think everyone has their own favorite superhero that, you know, plays, plays the part. Sure. Maybe um, for you, it's like Adam West is bad. Oh, I'm not like that, that old. Maybe, not that old. Maybe Michael Keaton. Batman. Michael Keaton. Oh yeah, that's right. You felt, yeah. yeah. Cause you were 89. That, yeah. that, op- that opened up a lot for Batman. But in some general. people do. So it's, it's all about where you get exposed to these larger than life characters. Yeah. That you can kind of, you know, see that in your mind and things like that. Well, and if you look at the creators, so we look at Mike Mignola, um, you know, he, he has had uh, a long history of just comic book and art in general. So he's worked on Marvel comics. He's worked on DC comics. He's worked on, um, I think a lot of little indie projects and things. Yeah, he had quite a span, yeah. early span in you know Marvel comics. Yeah, and like, like the eighties. I think is really strong. Eighties, yeah. nineties. So he had a Cosmic Odyssey and like uh, yeah, something like that. I think nineties was when he maybe figured out that he wanted. Okay, I did it. I did the Marvel thing. Yeah. you know, and now Marvel I'm going DC. into my own characters. And yeah, you know, sometimes that happens with creators where, of course, they they can't help. If, if you are just constantly coming up with ideas, they just can't help to say, hey, wait, this is my guy. I'm not going to introduce him into the Marvel universe. This is like my guy. Yeah. And so he may have pulled him back and just started, you know, figuring out what is this story and how can I tell it? And um, I'm a super fan of Hellboy. I'm a super fan of Guillermo del Toro. Yeah. I think that he was a great choice for the first Hellboy movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm really glad that Hellboy still keeps that like indie feeling. A yes. Bit. You know, he Absolutely. Does, it's not like crazy mainstream Mm-mm. and they didn't make him all like trademark and, and make t-shirts and crazy, you know, like I yeah. think he sort of has that indie feel, which is awesome. And I think for anybody who wants to jump into this, if you like fictional history with like a side of horror, yeah, and uh, it's like true. a tongue-in-cheek humor. You will love Hellboy. Yes, that's. I, I mean, that's a given. Hellboy has been um, like an anti-hero, and then mm-hmm. he's been sort of a. Um, I want to say he's like a gateway into mythology. So mm-hmm. Mike Mignola picks up on all of the old fables and wives, yeah. old wives' tales, and like pagan religions and like nazis and i I don't know he just he blends them all together so that you you know a a good point not to get too far off topic but uh, a a fun thing to do is look up some of these characters and look up some of these stories that Mm -hmm. he's writing about yeah and they're they're real uh fables from hundreds of years ago um and it's just fun to see when Hellboy runs up against a monster or a, a group of people. And, uh, you know, one of the main characters in the beginning is Rasputin and things like that. Yeah. So you're like, you know what? These are r- roughly based on the dramatic tales of those characters. Mm-hmm. So, yes, Rasputin was a real person, but this is based more on like his fanatical yeah. wizard side right exactly like- <laughs> and, you know you always see like in movie adaptation stuff like the nazis were experimenting with 
um, supernatural powers and uh, yes. things like that. So he kind of took that concept and went, well, I can kind of insert my own character or kind of build it off that, but then give him like a redeeming like hero story out of that and an anti-hero kind of personality. But um, he, he cares, but he doesn't care enough <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> so he definitely, it took a little bit for him to figure out how to um, move the story along and find a voice for the character. But like that origin story is so iconic. Yeah. Um, especially when you see it adapted, you're like, this is really cool. I've never seen anything like this before. Um, let's see what this is about. Yeah. So we read, just so everyone knows, we read the uh, library editions yes. by Dark Horse Comics. And yep. these are oversized. Um, they are stitched binding. They're cloth yep. covers. They're... Right. Full color, top to bottom. I mean, there's yes. beautiful editions, beautiful. And so you can also read them. They have these omnibus, like trade, paperback, standard size editions. And I started reading those. And this is just my experience, and it might differ from yours. But it was hard to read the font of Hellboy, like some of the lettering and stuff like that. And it, kind of get... In the paperbacks? Yeah. Oh. Um, and I guess that was for me because I've read these. I, I've read these at like the library and the oversized. And I was like, oh, this is okay. You know, um, the story is very fast paced. So I was like, oh, I'll go read in the smaller size. Yeah, there's not much text. I mean, there's text, but there's not yeah. like a ton of text. And I did eventually, and this is kind of how I got, we got Kickstarter uh, moved along and made the decision to... Uh, read these because I eventually did get a set <laughs> of the library editions <laughs> and I love them. They're so cool and it's hard for me to go back to that smaller size. So I guess my point that I'm trying to get across is some books and some tales that we, we talk about and discuss, some of them are, you just kind of have to find your best reading experience to it. Yeah. I mean, some people really like to read digital and uh, get an idea of what they, um, what the story is like. Yeah. And, you know, digital is fine. I read digital, but a lot of times I read it either because it's like crazy out of print and I can't find it anywhere, <laughs> or it's like exactly that. I want to like see what it's like. Yeah, I, I use Definitely digital. Try it out. Yeah. yeah. I use digital as like a movie trailer. Mm -hmm. You know, like I read maybe one or two issues and I'm like, okay, this is good enough yeah. for me to now look. And that was good for the omnibus editions. I think it was yes. good for me to get, see what the story is about, get into it. And then there was just a certain point where like, I want to read more, but I want a better reading experience. And that's where I invested in these um, editions, but they're all still like very affordable. I think you can get like almost each one for like around $30, mm -hmm. 30 to $40 a piece, which for what you're getting for your money's worth is actually pretty reasonable. <laughs> and uh, even today you can still, they keep these like almost evergreen. Um, yeah. So they keep them in print. Yeah. These and are great. And they're, yeah, they're affordable. They're great volumes. They're, they look amazing on the shelf. Uh, they're definitely the print quality is top notch. I, I can't, yeah. Even rereading these, because I read all these maybe like two years ago and kind sure. of rereading through them. Yeah. Um, it still holds up just, um, oh, these are just great volumes. And I, I'm i a super, super fan of Mike Mignola's work in yes. Hellboy. You know, I've seen a lot of his older work. Yep. I've seen a lot of his work that he's doing now. Yeah. He's still very active. He's doing lots of different layouts and things. Mm -hmm. um, what I really like about Hellboy and, and um, I guess since we're, jumping into yep. it the the library editions 
they take a collection of the stories. So Hellboy has a lot of stories and, and Mike Mignola is really good at like kind of setting them up as a chronology. Yeah. So he's always built this as like a giant long story that does have an end. He did. He eventually wanted to, yeah. you know, kind of tie it up into a bow. Yeah. So it wasn't just like this forever character. So it, it's really great because he pulls old characters into the new stories and he mentions like mythological characters that he brings up two volumes later. And, you know, it's, yeah. you can tell he's got like a vision sure. and he can keep rolling these characters around and yeah. there's, there's no shortage of, um, you know, because it kind of wraps uh, looking up on the internet, it kind of wraps around 2016, 2012. It kind of depends, like, if you define the end as the end of the main story or the short story. <laughs> yeah, and then there are a lot like of that. little offshoots, of course. Little yes. characters got their own um, stories here and yeah. there. But um, the first uh, library edition actually collects uh, the first two stories, which is Seed of Destruction, Destruction. and Wake, Wake the, the Devil. Devil. Yeah. And so there's pretty much <laughs> in that, there's so there's two main stories in that volume, but each one has like chapters in it. So yes. it's really well done in that aspect that you can read through and feel like you're not like, I guess what I'm trying to say is in some regular comics, you'll read through a story and you'll be like, I feel like I'm missing something mm -hmm. like, Oh yeah, that picked up over in this other comic or, Oh, that's running in Supergirl and I'm not, I don't oh, collect Supergirl. Absolutely. Like, yeah. It's you know, very oh, self-contained in that yeah. aspect. So this one, Hellboy is Hellboy. There's no other story. And it's, it's really a, I think a really enjoyable reading experience because you don't feel like there's any story that you should have known and you don't. Sure. And it's kind of cool looking at the, um, doing some research that in 1995, he won the best writer artist Eisner award for this. So, um, it's yes. really cool to, uh, acknowledge that. And like, yeah, he, uh, he did have some help in the beginning, but once he got rolling and kind of established his writing style with his art style, he really, this character kind of really fleshed out on the page. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and you can see that through the volumes you actually see the artwork getting better you see the story getting better you see him um being more adventurous and not afraid to have a two or three pages with no text at all you yeah know? i mean you, you see him using full pages uh full splash pages which you know uh early on when you're kind of introducing a new character you try to sort of throw everything on the table that you got mm. because you don't want people to say, well, I just bought this comic and, you know, eight of the pages were just full, full page art and oh, no sure. text, you know? Yeah. So he progresses the story, I think at a good pace where you're not like, um, where you still want more, but you're not feeling like it was like, well, that didn't get me anywhere. Like yeah. it moves along. It's oh, absolutely. Nice. And I, I think he kind of learned, the lessons of his predecessors and he was trying to do something different at the same time where he wanted that great character that people could follow along and relate to, but he didn't want it to have it bogged down. Mm -hmm. Um, but he want, and he also has the, the mindset of an artist where he wants the page and the art to speak for itself as well. Yes. The art. <laughs> <laughs> so being a fan of his work, Ramos, how would you describe his art to our audience? So, Hmm. I, I would, 
I would think a lot of people would read this. Let's let's just assume that you have read um, very text-heavy comics, uh, like major superhero comics, right? Yeah. And then you decide, well, I'm going to go into Hellboy. Um, some people might, I think, sort of offhandedly say it's minimalist. You yeah. Know? And it is. Mm-hmm. It is. I, I'll give you that. There's not a lot of, like, gradations and there's not a lot of like photoshoppy yeah you know lens flare and mm-hmm. you know all that kind of um uh digital fluff uh it's very much like two or three colors on a page yeah um that makes sense lots of jet black black everywhere yeah. i mean right. it's just like that's why i like the library volumes because the library editions what however they printed them they are black. The black is yeah. black. I mean, it's one of the best printed volumes that you'll ever see. No joke. The yeah. colors leap off of the pages. Um, but the nice thing about it is that I, I think Mike draws in a way where he um, he kind of wants you to fill in the scene in your brain. Yes. And right? we're a big advocate of that on yes. the show here. Yes. Um, to talk about the what happens between the panels, um, using your imagination and, and filling what what's that story trying to get across and how did they get to point A to point B within the paneling and the pacing. And did you notice a lot of people, like even though there's t- tons, tons of words around, no one's really opening their mouth? No. That it's just sort of like these yeah. static scenes, mm-hmm. um, which I really do like a lot of times. You know, sometimes people are like screaming, because they have to scream, right? But uh, one, but, one, one does. <laughs> yeah, but like the scenes themselves are almost like like photos. They're like still shots of what yeah. you would imagine that scene. If you just sort of randomly took pictures while something was happening, mm-hmm. this would be your photo album. And yeah. not everyone is even opening their mouth with the uh, text. But the uh, the every single page, every single panel, I just I get this feeling that it's like really really thought out and that's what i just love is i mean honestly you can randomly flip to just about any page in here and there's a purpose to it there's there's a layout there's a design there's a color scheme right there's a story there's a point yeah yeah like some pages are all oranges and reds and some pages are blues and grays and some pages are i mean i'm just literally flipping through the the library volume definitely though that color palette kind of invokes a feeling too and the mood yeah yeah, and it's that you're trying to go for. There's one pan. There's one page where like Hellboy was, um, you know, leaping across to fight uh, one of the monsters that came up one of, out of the frogs. The frog, <laughs> you know, I love that. They're like they pick yeah. a frog and they're like, no, not the frogs. It is like a frog monster. <laughs> yeah, but he's like leaping across the page and it's all pretty subdued colors. And then Hellboy makes a comment like, "Well, now I'm mad." And then the whole background turns red. Red. So it was like, oh man. I mean, it's just he uses color to his yeah. total advantage. And I could talk about his artwork for like for another hour. I mean, no joke. <laughs> no joke. It's for just sure. amazing. It's great. Yeah. And looking at some of these early um early volumes that he worked on himself because he wrote wrote and drew the book. Mm-hmm. Um that you know, you see like some Kirby dots here and there, and you see some other like little influences here and there. But he really, it took him a while for him to develop the style. Like on an earlier episode of the podcast, we talked about his. Um, he worked on uh, Doctor Doom: Triumph and Torment. Yes, and 
you know, he worked with a different penciler, a different, uh, you know, colorist and things like that. He did like the initial penciling and things like that, but just what he can do with his own vision and his own, um, storytelling and things like that and owning his work very much, uh, uh, something he's developed a long time and it, it pays off for him. Yeah. And that's the other really nice thing about the library editions and really any of these, uh, larger collected editions like omnibus and everything else. Um, <clears throat> they collect either the script or the artwork or both Yes, uh, in the back. Yeah. And you can kind of see some of the thought processes of each artist. And Mike's work is really, uh, just as you would expect, it's really blocky. It's really like white or black, you know, black or white. And it's, uh, um, I don't know, he's got his own feel. He kind of like gives people expressions that are, old-fashioned i think feeling um yeah the monsters are sort of his own creation and they're yeah. all wacky and exactly stuff. he even has like some of his artwork in the back and he like makes a little note like i don't know who these people are or like <laughs> i don't know where i was going with this or oh, you know sure. this is weird anatomy and you know he makes out like i'm trying to figure out this demon devil thing and um i just i even try to just look at some of his work and and sort of emulate it it's fun it's quirky but sure it's also like spooky a little bit yeah you know? and then uh you know just some of the people that helped him um at least in this edition and a couple other editions like um some of the big ones uh that he had is james st Clair, uh matthew hollingsworth and dave stewart those are all huge like colorists in their own industry <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like dave like matt hollingsworth <laughs> and dave stewart they still do stuff today and even like Dave Stewart's probably one of my favorite colors that are out there. Um, he has such an eye for the page and um, he's always good about working with his penciler and um, the artists and the writers and just trying to figure out like, what are you trying to get across? I was and like, Hey, you want to help me out? They're like, sure. <laughs> yeah, because he's, he's really good. <laughs> so it's, it's really cool to see that come to come to life, you know, as we're going through this. Um, but yeah, I guess, you know, Hellboy, he has been around for a, a good while. And it's it's really cool to see that, um, see the tale evolve and just the progression, I think, was really cool to see him just even going beyond, like, the origin story of, like, hey, he was, he got summoned out of hell by the Nazis and things like that. And first he's, like, uh, they're trying to make him out to be the, their, like, savior of, like, doing evil and stuff. And he's like, I don't want that he got saved then he got saved by um this like band of hunters that have like been like lurking in the shadows of mm -hmm. like history and things and um just how that evolved and working at the the bureau for like paranormal <laughs> investigation and stuff like that yeah so even in the first one or two volumes so hellboy was uh, summoned by the nazis in a ritual uh, and he appeared as a during uh, World War Two. Yeah, war, during World War Two, uh, <laughs> and uh, just in the waning days of like the Third Reich. So like, yeah, kind of when Germany was failing, they were like, "Gosh, we need something, yeah. right?" So Rasputin joined the Nazis and uh, sort of summoned a, uh, a a little a little demon. Yep. And what happened was the Nazis were not able to capture him. Yep. The Americans did. And they raised him. Yeah. So uh, he is raised sort of with uh, American, American values. values and ideals, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And 
even in the book, he makes comments here and there of like, I've been fighting the supernatural for 40 years. So, I mean, he's been doing it for a while. Um, He's full grown now and he has on his right hand, uh, like a, a giant glove stone, like glove gauntlet. Gauntlet. Yeah. Yeah, That's pretty good way to describe it. Yeah. And it's like this huge. So when you see Hellboy and that was one of the things I think people are like, what the heck's wrong with his arm? It's like, well, something's on his arm. Mm. Like his, his hand is a stone hand. Right. And he never knew what it was and no one knows what it is until later in the story. So, uh, it was just sort of this, this like, um, writing, uh, I don't want to say trope, but like a writing thing that Mike could sort of reference every once in a while is like, I don't know what my right hand is, but then other people are like, well, I do. And then Rasputin's like, well, I'll tell you what it is. I'll show you the power. It gives them so much room to work with. Yes. And it's so cool to just keep that as like a, I don't know, just a side story that you can develop someday when you're ready. Um, So Hellboy, what I really like is that he, so he works at the paranormal research yeah, a paranormal, a bureau for paranormal research and defense. Yeah, PRD. That's and where he so starts out. He has like a trench coat that's that full of like his trench coat is full of uh, artifacts and like um, talismans and little coins and things and stuff that he can keep uh, to ward off attacks from the supernatural so it's just they've really thought about his character in general so he always he's fearless but he's also superstitious yeah and i think that uh that does really cool for like storytelling because then you can you can bring all that mythology that dark mythology that you you don't necessarily know about because who who does a lot of that research Mike yeah <laughs> yeah the he, knows yeah, he knows yeah, all yeah he knows he knows them all and you can tell how much research you put in and and trying to take bits and pieces of mythology and kind of hybriding them a bit or, or like hey this would sound better if i did this with it and kind of uh does a really good job of interweaving this mythology with what, he what is it the baba to. yaga the baba yaga <laughs> oh my gosh yeah when we get to baba yaga that was one of my favorite villains. Like, yes, Rasputin. <laughs> Rasputin's cool. He does his own thing. He's yeah, a little bit, you know. But he's still like very human and you know, like and he's, Nazi, has the Nazis trope, you know. That's that's great. But Baba Yaga is like her own larger than life. <laughs> like, if you cross me, you're gonna get it. And she is a great reoccurring villain it's in like the series. Like her house with the chicken legs. It, yes. Like <laughs> and I love <laughs> I love that tale and things like that because she is she's very like, oh, I'll grant you the swish and everything, but you gotta give me something in return. Yes. And her house travels wrong and she's kind of creepy in her own right. And uh <laughs> she's just such an interesting villain. Um that it kind of uh really does a well job of just grounding that character and but also like you could do anything and all these zany things that you're like okay um definitely appreciated that yeah and then when you get to like hecate and things like that all the gods and i was um, just gonna say and she so um hecate is very she's like a popular in like sabrina the teenage witch show and she was in like charmed and she was in um a lot of people use that yeah. connection point uh that character is um yeah she's the goddess of magic witchcraft the night moon and ghosts and necromancy yeah so very paganish and very yeah pagan. and then he then he jumps right over and he starts connecting with 
like the witches of Roman times. And then yeah. he jumps back over to the Nazis and then he jumps back over. It's, it's really, really cool that they all, those side stories are um, worthy of your time to even look up and familiarize yourself with those fables. That, that's what I like. It was like yes. ground, not I want to say grounded in history, but it was like, yeah, this is something that he's pulled uh, inspiration from. And that's yep. awesome. Yeah. And you really get to develop like, who your favorite characters are and and how they're connected to each other because they're never really they're always kind of like uh piggybacking off each other a bit or trying to join forces or going to war against each other and trying to fight over this it's a fight over hellboy <laughs> yeah yeah and all these this power and significance that he brings about this like prophecy of war and he's gonna be like the king of hell and things like that so for volumes one, two, and three, there's six volumes of the library edition. So like volumes yes. one, two, and three, and maybe four are just sort of Hellboy uh, responding to a different kind of supernatural activities. So it's almost like a uh, um, like, like an X Files, yeah, Monster you know? X yeah. Files feel, yeah. yeah. So like something came up and it's in Austria, and I'm like, all right, well, we're taking the team out to Austria. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, they go all over the world. They yeah. don't just stay in like America and New York and things like that. In fact, I think they're probably in Europe more than anyone. Else, yeah, London, else. London is a little bit of their headquarters, I would say. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's Hellboy, and then there's um, Liz, right? Yep, when uh, they start out, and Abe, Abe, Abe Sapien. Sapien. Yeah, Abe Sapien, so cool. Yeah, he was pulled from some other experiment, and they they uh, noticed on his uh, nameplate that it said Sapien, but then they named him after Abraham Lincoln. So right, like, yeah. So you're like, ah, okay, okay. It's just yeah. cool characters. And then they have like three or four other people usually with them, but then they kind of do that like Star Trek trope where like, oh, there's a new guy. He's probably going to get killed. Or yeah, something. right. You know, it's just like always happens. Mm -hmm. I would say so. And and they also kind of brought this great opportunity in the Magnolia universe, they call it now, where they'll probably take a, you know, Hellboy was kind of going off, I think, for two volumes worth. And then they said, okay, Hellboy's going to go on his own adventures. He's going to kind of start yeah. soloing it a bit. So we're going to take that team aspect that you guys liked in the beginning. Uh, we're going to do its own thing with BPRD. And then Abe Sapien's going to have his own solo series. We're going to um, really invest in all these side characters that maybe you never thought would be really cool, but he kind of shared it with other writers and things that he trusted with his property that he's like, hey, go out and write stories. <laughs> yeah. You know, and that's the other, I, I think, I don't want to say generous, but the really nice thing about it is that uh, Mike Mignola realized that these were characters that he couldn't by himself yeah. fully flesh out and do them justice. So, he was like, I will do some of the basic, like maybe cover yeah. art and cover art layout yeah. layouts and things. Yep. But he, he let everyone else sort of jump into it because it just became sort yeah. of a phenomenon. bigger than what he, I think yeah. he expected to be. Right. Absolutely. And people are like, gosh, you got really, you got five or six main characters here instead yeah. of just Hellboy. Like some of these are <laughs> overshadowing Hellboy. Yeah. Uh, because he just wrote them really fun and people want to see more of that. And their hardcovers are like the most beautiful thing ever yes. see on the shelf the other. Yes. <laughs> so you got uh, probably like 20, 30. It gets, it gets what really. What is it? Plague of Frogs and Lobster Johnson. Johnson Baltimore. Oh, Baltimore. Um, um, 
uh, uh, Joe the Golem and things like that. And uh, Lobster, yeah, Lobster Johnson's like one of the big Pulp Pharaohs and stuff like that. And then Hellboy kind of was freed up to follow his own yeah, destiny, which right. they always pushed was like, yeah, you have a bigger story here. And, and, and the overall gist of it is that Hellboy uh, is from hell and yeah. he's a part of part of that uh sort of Demon. domain yeah demonscape hell and uh, he was uh, either poised to be like the prince of hell or yeah. he was poised to eventually take over hell right uh and, and that's something he because yeah, of, he does, it's one of those like nature nurture arg arguments mm -hmm. where since he was raised by the americans versus maybe you know uh, not influenced nice, by the nazis, <laughs> the, the nazis right? and evil powers um he has this own like free will about him and free to choose his destiny and i think it was encouraged um obviously people are like oh you gotta you know do the ultimate good or, or save the day he's encouraged to do that but he's gonna do it in his own way <laughs> he's not yeah. for nobody's forcing him to do anything and you know he always sort of rejected it because he does have some good in him but at the same time i think he also wants to say like well you know the 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 true villain part is like if i could take this over maybe i could turn it around yeah you know if i sacrificed myself maybe i alone would have the power to not go through this prophecy yeah so there's that duality break that too. break that chain yeah absolutely um so i guess now that we've kind of given this basic overview and things like that ramos what are some of your favorite stories from the initial hellboy run so <laughs> there there are some straight up real fun stories that are um standalone or you know to me um uh, the corpse is one of the really really yes. good ones not only because and i always look at like what is the point of the story and then how is it you know i think drawn or told right right um I think a lot of people think the Crooked Man is probably one of the best. Yes, ones. I would say uh, the Crooked Man is um, one of my. It's favorites. always in like the top three or yeah, top five. People I would love say that. the Crooked Man and the Conqueror were probably like a plus for my book. Like the, I just gravitated towards the him. Crooked Man is in volume four, and then the Corpse is in volume two. two. Yes, uh, and you kind of. As you keep reading, you realize how important the corpse was, <laughs> that story. Yes. And I'm like, everything that I kept reading after that was like, oh, referencing corpse, referencing corpse. Yeah. And he kind of, I like that Mike uh, kept those like notes for the reader and the audience to keep track of. Because that was like an old Marvel and probably, I don't know, maybe DC did some of that where, hey, go, editors, no, go look up <laughs> X, X issue. Yeah. Go read that because this is a really important character and really important story. Yeah, and I'm kind of flipping through the corpse right now. It was just, it's just a fun story because it showed sort of another power that Hellboy had, and it was that he can connect with the uh, underworld or he yes, can connect speak with speak to the dead. Yeah. yeah, speak to the dead. So you you do kind of see some other powers pop up here and there, and even though Hellboy is uh, from hell, uh, he he respects that everyone has their own like vices, you know, mm -hmm. he respects that there are people who are not very good. And he yeah. feels that people are like lost or failed or in, in vertigo or, you know, in purgatory, you know, there, there's a lot that Hellboy I think um, works out. And to me, it just really showed like the, the 
quick-witted writing. That, yes. That can oh, happen. yeah, totally. Um, because yeah. his corpse is like, he cuts down a corpse and sort of carries it on his back and he keeps talking to it and, and they kind of banter back and forth. Yeah. And at the same time, <laughs> um, you're kind of put through this scenario where like Hellboy has an overall mission, but he also doesn't turn a blind eye on, on other things in need, you know, um, which I think is a great part of Hellboy. Sure. Um, also, if you look at the Hellboy drawings, you'll notice like two big circles on his head. Uh, that's because yep. they're supposed to be horns, horns. Yeah. and he cuts them off to like, uh, and then they that. grow back and yeah. he cuts them off and they grow back and they cut. Mm-hmm. And he, he sort of rejects that. So he, to him rejects the monster yeah he yeah. doesn't want to be like a horned demon he already feels like well i'm already red yeah um <laughs> and you'll notice too that his hair is tied back into like a knot um and he he follows sort of like a samurai way oh yeah that's yeah, those some of those uh yeah qualities yeah uh, and that's kind of traits. what it is like a lone like a ronin kind of thing sure um so that's where he has that part of it where he pulls his hair back because he feels like he has um, honor and he wants to keep himself in, in that aspect. Sure. And, you know, just kind of go over and over a few pages from like the corpse. It's um, very, you know, the monster's going after him. He's like, oh, he's being up. He's like, yes, that's working. I love when things work. That's all for you, war monster. Get lost. I, <laughs> I had more time. Help. Uh, now, what, what's your problem? Come on, you. Almost there. We got to go. Uh, I lost my arm. And that's like the corpse. Like, I lost <laughs> yeah. my arm. So it's this very witty banter that, you know, um, Hellboy is like establishing. And he doesn't really take his job too seriously. But at the same time, he knows yeah, he's the only one to do it. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of times it is just sort of like him talking in little bursts you know yeah. it's not like some long dialogue yeah, yeah. some big you know grandiose that he's like putting yeah. together and like there, it's not always some sort of um uh quotable references of anything it's just him being like oh nuts or oh i didn't expect this and then there's like a big explosion you know no, like, yeah you know, it's like, like oh. well that doesn't really work out. right yeah. um yeah that was that was pretty cool and uh, yeah, and then it, it just kind of you you see the the story evolving and the art evolving. It's it's really something to behold. And you know, when we get along to like my favorite story, like the Conqueror, like he's interacting with like space aliens that yes. really calm down. But um, like the Nazis kind of called them down. You're like, what's this? <laughs> and that that's usually one of the stories is that there is some sort of portal that's opening, or there's some sort of ancient evil, evil that that's awakening. Uh, yeah. yeah. And so Hellboy's like, I got to stop this. So he's been saving the world sort of secretly. And you never really get into the whole, like, people see him and they think, oh, God, there's a monster. I mean, he's... No, right. I kind of steered away from that. I think that's more of something that in the movies, like, they were trying to put people against him. I don't know if that was something that in the comics that he... he was trying to get that over maybe in the first like volume or something like, Oh, you're weird. You're, you're weird. looking. maybe, yeah. but he's always surrounded by people like who are individuals already on you know, side or like, Hey, you know, yeah. we gotta do that. I like when he, he does interact with the dead and stuff. And you know, he's, he's got this great respect for it. And you know, later on some of the storylines, like, he doesn't realize he's talking to the dead. He thinks they're alive, you know, he's yes. having like carrying on like whole, like, 
you know, 10 page story of like him just, or a five page story, you know, like talking to him, like he used to and things like that. And he's like, Oh, they're not around anymore. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and that's like the dead communicating into him, like through memories and, um, you know, prophecies and weird magic and stuff. So that was really interesting. Uh, I really like too. And I finally flipped to, I was looking for it, but I finally found it, but I, <laughs> I really like when they kind of collect the, fables and the other stories yes they all like know each other yeah so was, they're like yeah, we were talking oh about that. you yeah. know you, you, you there's like it's four like the or five King. side yeah. stories yeah it's like um it's not just one villain but they all sort of respect each other yes so they're all like oh this is your domain or mm-hmm. oh why don't you go back to the other nether world and exactly everyone has their own little piece and for some reason they all well not for some reason but they all genuinely like fear hellboy's potential yes they're always talking about they're that. all like, like don't do that you yeah, know like, what if he evolves what if what he if, takes what if he so- does something wrong or yeah. sets off the ultimate evil sometimes he sets off evil. <laughs> <laughs> not by accident <laughs> and it, it, it was like a part of it but at the same time they almost want to like stop him but they can't stop him because he's pretty strong yeah and so he just everyone else i feel like i, I guess a good way to sum it up is they all are governed by rules of their own fable yes and they are scared of doing certain things out of character i mm-hmm. guess um yeah and that's like, a good way to put it and, and sort of losing their own magic or overlapping each other yeah where hellboy just doesn't care no he just like <laughs> he just barrels he just through the bad guy and yeah. like, he's pretty knowledgeable about most fables because that's what his his father and like the beginning story was kind of taught him and raised him on and he's like had a good education. Yeah, he's like he's like, superstitious, you know, yeah. too. He's like, oh, great. The fables, this is so, again. so, yeah. <laughs> um, so it was, it, Hellboy, it was, it was a great adventure to, to go on. And we, we definitely encourage readers and, and you all to, to do that and explore it. Um, and however, whatever format you can. Um, it was, it was cool when, um, you know, uh, Mike McNoll finally started letting the reins kind of go and exploring different artists like Richard Corbin. Um, Richard Corbin is no, I think um, he was one of the early artists that um, recently passed away um, in uh, 2020, but definitely would look up his art and some of like, um, what was it Craig Russell and things like that. He had great respect for him and to help like carry out the story and i mean it probably realized the vision yeah it can't be understated that you know you take a character that you made from that's your character and and you feel comfortable enough to pass them over to another artist that's a big leap yeah especially how grounded exactly yeah when the when the movies were starting to finally get developed and it was actually going to be a real serious like effort and commitment like Mike was starting to get buried into his work and stuff so he had to kind of his his editor helped him like Hey, let's bring in some of these artists. Let's see what they look like, what they can do. And he finally started like, Oh, okay. This is actually really good. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I trust this team and I, I trust what they can do. And he wanted to keep the story. He wanted to keep the story moving. It. Right. Cause sometimes, you know, when you're doing a lot of these short stories, it's hard to get back to the main story, right. even though there's all these little interconnections, things like that, you know, you're like, someday I just want to finish this <laughs> and I'll see it, see an end to it. So, um, it was really cool to see how, he went from, you know, the start and waking the devil and see destruction to just where he is and where he goes. So, um, yeah, great evolution. I, I think Hellboy will be his legacy. And, but it's such a growing, like, I don't know, universe. 
the Magnolia yeah. universe as they call it. Like it'll just keep going. And I, I think Mike, uh, you know, I, they, he kickstarted like a documentary about, you know, his work on Hellboy and where kind of the fandom went and capturing it. Well, like some other comic books too, you can pick up one and be like, Oh, that is so sixties or, Oh, you know, that, that language isn't around anymore or, you know, no one talks like that. Or, you know, you can pick yeah. up a nineties comic and be like, this is You're really nineties Marvel. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. Gosh, everyone's got like long hair or, and uh, shoulder pads. <laughs> you, yeah. And you could pull a, a Mike Mignola story about Hellboy from the late nineties and no yes. joke. It has aged perfectly. It's yeah. amazing. Still an amazing story. I love the Hellboy yeah. series. I and love it. Uh, it's a great story to, for a spooky read or a great, just adventure story that you can sink your teeth into. Um, uh, definitely. Uh, we, we recommend it in whatever format you can get. Thank you for, uh, checking us out on Vampire Comic. This is Andrew Bonner and Chris Ramos signing off. Goodbye. Thank you.